Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I am your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by... Mason Joseph. And today we have another very special guest, uh, one of our favorite lines of liberty. I don't want to hurt anybody else's feelings by saying our favorite. Uh, but we're joined by Howie I'll, Snowden. I'll go ahead and say it. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> uh, we've we've actually been enjoying you on Lines of Liberty for. I've been actually enjoying hearing you come on every once in a while since like really early on. Uh, the the first Father's Day after Lions of Liberty got started was around when I started listening, and I always enjoyed having you come on and and hearing you and and I was like, oh man, I hope Howie comes on again, and uh, now we get to talk to you. Yeah. Oh, some of those early ones were kind of rough, a little too much wild turkey in some of them. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, to, to prepare for the holiday season, I've been kind of doing lately like holiday-themed episodes, I guess. Uh, last episode we had on Billy from Cork and Java and his wife, uh, whose name I, I forgot again. I think it's – is it Brianne? I believe so. Okay. I always mispronounce it. It so. might be it might be Bryn, but anyways, it doesn't Yeah, I know Bryn, I think. Yeah. Okay. And uh this episode we're going over mold wine. So Mason, do you want to explain to the listeners what mold wine is? Um I'm going to explain what I made and we'll see how close it is to actually mold wine. So I took the wine I had and mixed it half cider, half wine. Uh, with uh, honey and cinnamon and uh, cloves, and then heated it for ten, like simmered it for like ten minutes, and then drank a whole bunch of that. Okay, <laughs> so. well, and that's that's basically it. So mulled wine is basically hot spiced wine. Uh, it's a great Christmas drink. Uh, what was your base wine for yours, Mason? Uh, let me get the name correct because it's you know French as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was. Jean-Luc Colombo, the Lay Ambies de Colombo Quartz de Rhone. So um, it was a blend, like a Rhone blend. It was 60% Grenache, 30% Syrah, and 10% um, Madurve. I always mispronounce that. Morvedre. So Madurve. Yeah, yeah. So pretty good. Yeah. All right. And Howie, you also made a mold wine. How did you how did you make yours? I did. And I... I don't even think I've ever had mold wine before, but I made it in a slow cooker. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, it turned out really good. The only bad part was, so it was in the slow cooker, and I was, at first I was trying to like ladle it into a mug, then I decided I was going to like pour it through a strainer, and ended up pouring like a good deal of it all over the stovetop instead. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but, I, but I did get, you know, more than a mug's worth, and it's it's really good. Um the wine that I used, I used a bottle of this LSD. Ooh, cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to mispronounce anything wine-related for the, the whole show. But this is a – it's an Australian red, and the LSD stands for um, the grapes, uh, 42% Lagrain, 33% Shiraz, and 25% Duraf. Yeah, Duraf, that's correct. The Lagrain yeah. one, I'm not sure. I don't know about that one, but – and Shiraz is – Syrah, but it's this, it's the Australian way of doing it. They call it Shiraz yeah. there. Yeah, but I tried some of the wine before uh, making the mold wine, and it was it was good. Um, 
they describe it as like bold and fruity. I don't, I don't think my wine terms are right, but I don't think I would have called it bold. It seemed like very smooth, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was, it was nice. So. Usually, usually, I think when they're describing wine terms, when they say something is bold, it just means it's got a lot of flavor. Uh, okay, it's just, yeah. it sounds it sounds like overpowering kind of to me. Where I'm like, ah, oh, no. Yeah, well, no, I, I think because usually they'll say like. Bold seems to be like really common for New World wines, which means it's got like a lot of upfront fruit flavor to it, and it's just and yeah. very strong. And uh, I mean, but for wine, I mean, wine compared to you know wild turkey, like you were saying, is is a <laughs> it's a it's a completely different world. So uh, I I did actually there is a little bit of whiskey in my mold uh, wine too. Yeah, actually, but, I forgot I put limoncello in mine as well as uh, orange zest. So. Yeah. So yeah, my my recipe it had orange zest, uh, fresh ginger, cinnamon sticks, some whole cloves, some cardamom pods, three tablespoons of honey, and I put a quarter cup of whiskey in. Is this um, three tea whiskey that I got at a local uh, distillery, Malarkey's I think it's called. Oh, cool! Nice. Yeah. 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 I, the way I did it was actually a little bit different. Um, well. Mason, you said some of the, one of the things that I put in mind that you couldn't get. So mine was uh, three cinnamon sticks, six star annies, uh, six whole cloves, uh, one lemon uh, sliced into circles or whatever. Uh, I don't know what you, I don't know what that's called, but it's like circled. I don't know. And uh, yeah, it called for bourbon, but I don't like liquor, so I didn't put any bourbon in it. I just I just did it with uh, this wine, which is a. Uh, uh, you know what? Because this is tasting anarchy, and we never can pronounce anything. Uh, <laughs> Aurora de Dauzac, which is a uh, uh, Margot wine. It's from the um, right bank of the Bordeaux, and it's it's sixty four percent Cabernet Sauvignon, and uh, or no, I'm sorry, sixty two percent Cabernet Sauvignon and thirty eight percent Merlot. The reason I use this, you know, of my ungodly amounts of wine that I have. Because I have a a wine buying problem, uh, this is one I didn't really care for, but I bought six bottles of it, and <laughs> and so I was like, well, I'll use this for something that I don't know how it'll turn out. And honestly, I think it's quite improved being a mulled wine. Nice. Yeah. So I I, I might do this with the other two bottles, or I how many did I drink of this? I pro- I've, I've drank most of it. Like a lot of times, if if I don't really like something and it's relatively inexpensive, I'll just drink all of them first, so to kind of get them out of the way. <laughs> uh, so I might have two or three bottles left of it, but it, it's normally priced at $27 a bottle. Last bottle of wines had it for 20. That's why I bought a bunch of them. And, uh, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's mulled wine. So to kind of recap for everybody, there's a whole bunch of different ways to make mulled wine. It's just a spiced wine, uh, lots of different recipes. Mine took about 15 minutes total to make. Uh, I did leave it on the stove a little bit long, which I think made it a lot less alcoholic. I was watching, uh, Star Wars, and kind of got because I don't have either one of you guys seen the new Star Wars movie? No, no, not yet. Okay, I I liked it, but I was while I was watching it, there was like things in my head where I was like, I'm gonna rewatch the old ones and see if like if it's just me misremembering the old ones and and then me comparing like a like a I guess like a glorified version of my memory of the old ones to this one, and <laughs> so I was like, well, I gotta re I gotta rewatch the originals from you know the 70s and 80s. And while I was while I was 
watching it, I forgot that I had simmering on the stove. So I think I left it on there a little too long. So I think it called for 10 minutes. I think I left it on there for 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and I think I also had it on a little bit too high of heat, but it did turn out pretty good. Uh, I'm not disappointed. My wife didn't like it, but, uh, you know, more for me, I guess. Um, so I, I, I've got a couple of topics today. One, like I said before, I think we started recording the show, how you sort of inspired on drunken, on the, uh, drunken democratic debates review that you do on lines of Liberty with Mark and, uh, well, Brian wasn't there this time, but with, with the gang, uh, but before I get started on that, why don't you tell us a little bit about Lions of Liberty and where people can find out more about that? Oh, sure. Yeah, Lions of Liberty, it's a libertarian variety show. There's, it's kind of three different shows under the same banner. On Mondays, Mark Clare interviews um, you know, leaders in the libertarian movement, but sometimes he does um, what he calls libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor. We'll do – it's usually just you know us friends. It's – uh kind of like a round table style just talking about stuff at this time of year, the debates and this, uh, Oh, the other two shows Wednesday, Brian McWilliams, electric Liberty land. Uh, he talks about Liberty comedy and culture and Fridays, John Odermatt does felony Fridays talking about the broken criminal justice system, which is an amazing show. Yeah, it is. They're, well, all three are very good. And, but the, yeah, the felony Fridays, I think is a very, very important one. Uh, yeah. And he he gets a lot of really good guests. That was one that Mason had to kind of convince me to listen to because every time I listened, I felt real bad because he would have on like guests that had like <laughs> who had been like in jail for twenty years or something. And, and then yeah, and it I can was, be depressing sometimes. Yeah, it can, but it's also it's triumphant to some degree because a lot of times they get out and they start making a difference. Yeah, um, and they like really like improve their like usually the people who are on it. It's not like they never like they're achieving something it's not like oh yeah and i'm a you know recovering crack addict in the back alleyway of the diner yeah on the street yeah and whether it's just because they think it's going to get them votes i'm glad to see it seems like a lot of politicians now are trying to take up this criminal justice reform mantle and start trying to do some things about it so hopefully there'll be less of these stories yeah in the future yeah hopefully hopefully that'd that'd be that'd be excellent and speaking of those politicians one of those politicians is uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. 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 I can never say his name. Um, <laughs> and in the last debates, one of the things that you guys brought up on the roundtable discussion was uh, Elizabeth Warren had this like criticism of him having this what she called like a closed door, smoke filled uh, meeting with high powered billionaires and stuff to fund his campaign. And there's actually an article on in the Washington Post from a guy who was at the event. And I thought that was kind of interesting to see like, what was he drinking? It, it was in a wine cave, which to me sounds very cool. And, uh, it was a, it was a bit of a different thing than the way that Elizabeth, you know, surprise, surprise, the way that the politician was making it sound. Her opponent was like in this, like, closed meeting with like all these rich people and it turns out there was there was actually not that many ultra wealthy there that most of the people there were pretty well off um but they weren't there weren't wasn't like a whole bunch of billionaires or anything so i'll go ahead and summarize the article the article is called uh about pete Buttigieg's uh wine cave dinner i was there it's by this guy named uh bill we hurl uh it's spelled w-e-h-r-l-e uh, he mentioned several times in the article that he is gay and that he and his partner attended. I don't know if that's relevant, but also Pete uh, 
Mayor Pete is also gay and uh, is the thing that they were saying in the article was that they're very inspired by him because it's not very often that a openly gay politician has a chance at becoming president. So for what it's worth, that's in the article. I don't I don't know if that's necessarily relevant, but it is. I tell you what, though, I'm not surprised that uh, openly gay um, candidate has a kick-ass like fundraiser yeah i saw pictures of the place it looks really fun i'm not a booty judge guy but i would have gone to it yeah well there might be some conspiracy stuff in this too because the person who (laughs) who hosted it i think is kind of interesting so i'll summarize the article it says so recently democratic hopeful pete uh budigeg was criticized for holding a high dollar wine event at hall winery named uh near saint helena california uh, this is near Napa Valley, or it's, I think it's actually in the Napa Valley AVA, technically. So uh, this is was hosted by Catherine Hall and her husband, Craig Hall. Uh, Catherine is a female winemaker, which is actually not very common. Uh, so that was one of the things they were also pushing in this, is that she is a female winemaker. And um, they uh, she was also served as ambassador to Austria under Clinton and Bush. Hmm. Which I thought was interesting. That's where the like the conspiracy tie-in comes in is that somebody who served as ambassador to another country under two presidents sounds to me to be part of you know uh, not necessarily deep state, but like she's connected uh, and she supports Pete Mayor Pete. So you know for what it's worth, <laughs> I thought that was interesting that she was an ambassador under two presidents. Uh, the article says that uh, the en- the event was full of fairly normal people. He mentions there was a flight attendant, there was a community college teacher, a community college dean, uh, his partner, who I guess is also somehow connected to the community college, and himself, who is uh, just a regular gay guy from San Francisco. And um, so also there were some rich people. Notably, there was a doctor who asked a couple of questions and and a few other rich people, but he said he wasn't sure if any of them were billionaires. He he did mention that anybody who was there was relatively well off because in order to attend something like this, you do kind of have to be well off. Uh, so one of the things that uh, Budigag did was he took questions from the audience. A lot of questions were from people asking about different types of plans, like the doctor asked about uh, giving people more access to primary care. Uh, then the big criticism from Elizabeth Warren was that the wine was $900 a bottle, and he says, well, that's not entirely accurate for the fundraiser. They were selling some for that amount to raise funds, but actually this particular wine is available online from Catherine Hall. Um, it's it's the Catherine Hall signature Cabernet Sauvignon. It's $185 a bottle, which is very expensive, but it's not $900. And... Uh, Mason and I have actually had wines that are this expensive, and um, well, we've had one. I've had I've had mm-hmm. two. I've had two. You've had I've, I, as far as I know, you've only had the one I had with you, mm-hmm. and then we had another Napa Valley Cab Sauv that was a hundred dollars a bottle of Pina. Um, so it is expensive. It's a rare occasion, but these wines do exist, and for collectors, that's not that unusual. Uh, it it is expensive, but it's not like I said, not that unusual. Uh, it was provided by the host for the guests. So, although it is one hundred eighty-five dollars a bottle, this was didn't cost the guests anything because it was part of the host's like spread. So, which was you know very nice of them. So, how much did it cost for people to attend this uh, this event? The author says, well, it cost him eleven dollars. However, the only people invited were people who had given the maximum allowable contribution. 
which I don't know if this is national or just in California, but he says the, the maximum allow, allowable individual contribution is $2,800. I think that's national. Is um, it? I'm pretty sure individually that's the most you can give, though then there's like super packs that you could give okay. unlimited amount of money to. Okay. Well, according to the author, both he and his partner – uh, did give the maximum amount because uh, Mayor Pete's gay. That was the that was his big thing. He also be- said he also mentioned that he believes in some of his policies and stuff like that. But he said that was the primary reason, and uh, that they both gave the maximum contribution several months ago, and that's how they became invited to uh, attend this event. It was uh, about 50, 50 people, and so that that's the event. What do you guys think? I mean, it's it's one of those. It's like. Like everything that, you know, it, it's funny because I listened to the um, Lou Rockwell, Tom Woods recap on the debate mm-hmm. this uh, afternoon, and they were talking about this event. And, like, I don't expect them to have gone and done any research on the event because they're not on a wine-related po- Liberty podcast. Yeah. But, like, even then, you know, they were kind of like, so what even if it, like, even if all of this was true, like, what does it matter? Like, you know, they, they should be able to have these events and, like how Buttigieg like called her out like live on stage basically being like since when like you you did all this crap up until this run basically you you know you were taking money from all these people and all that stuff so I thought it was funny and then like you know it's it they can't even get like there are as many things you could like rub in their face about that like oh you know like the structure of it and then she was saying it's like oh you had to pay like five thousand dollars to get like into this event and then it's like he's like i paid eleven dollars you know so yeah they don't even well it, it, well his his price. his deal for the eleven dollars was him getting there so yeah. it, it didn't cost him that much he took i guess transit or or they sp- i don't know he he kind of goes into it and i was like i don't really understand how that's eleven dollars but whatever uh that's what he said it cost him but he said you wouldn't have been invited unless you'd given the maximum amount so yeah. Even though he says it costs eleven dollars, it it really costs him two thousand eight hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that you know it's a it's an it's an article in the Washington Post. It's it's going to be partisan. But yeah, you, what you I think what you said is correct. It, it with like Elizabeth Warren, I, I, yeah, I, I don't I don't understand how like and actually you guys talked about this online of Liberty too, where she's so like marmy, like she's like always wagging yeah. her finger at every and and it's it's like. Does that work for her? <laughs> like, I mean, she she's such a hypocrite and a liar. Like she did things like this, then she comes out saying, "I'm not going to do that." But all the money she raised when she did things like that, she donated to her own campaign, like herself. So it's like, okay, you're benefiting from this. Now you're going to call Pete Booty Judge out for it. Like the only person that was on the stage that wasn't a millionaire or a billionaire. Yeah, and it's to me, it doesn't matter at all. Like money is in politics, whether it's you're getting money hosting an event like this or whether you're getting uh your kid a job at a ukrainian gas company or whether you're getting a big netflix deal and you're out of office like right the the only thing you can do is make politicians less powerful so they're not worth buying like no one's gonna pay the money to corrupt them if they're not powerful enough that they can do anything like that's to me the only thing you can really do they'll always find a way to get money to them somehow otherwise yeah yeah and that's kind of that, that was that's sort of my feeling of, on it too it but also the like it, it's just it's such a strange like I, like that I, the whole the whole <laughs> the whole democratic thing seems so weird and one of the things you that i think you it was you that brought this up was that that this may be like 
we'll get into a little bit of conspiracy stuff here, but this may be the Clintons kind of pulling strings to get this to go to a brokered convention so that it so that maybe Hillary can run again or that they can set things this would be my additional conspiracy is that the Clintons are done running but they're trying to set things up for their daughter. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I, I do have it. I just have this gut feeling that she's going to get in and it's it's kind of late to just jump in running like a, the way a normal candidate would. But if there is a broker convention where none of these candidates get enough support, that could open the door for someone like her. And the fact that a lot of the superdelegates, you know, the way the Democratic Party does it, like a lot of the decision who gets to run is by the superdelegates. A lot of them owe the Clintons and are like beholden to them. They helped screw Bernie over last time. Yeah. Um, but I could definitely see that happening. And even even if it's not by design, it just might end up happening because it seems like a lot of – there's different candidates winning in the different early states. And I could just if – no, if none of them start dropping out, I could see the support splitting and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I thought – I kind of thought when uh... – Kamala Harris dropped out that that was kind of like the first of a bunch of people dropping out because she was one of the the main candidates and or at least that's kind of what the media was pushing was that she was going to be one of these main candidates and then it kind of turned out that she dropped out and then nobody else really did. I I think there was one other person that I'd never heard of that also dropped out around the same time. But uh yeah, I mean, you know, they she she pushed it and stuff and so now yeah, you're right. So if you look at the polling in the early voting states, there, it's not like it's not like Joe Biden's a clear winner or anything like that. It's like no, there's one state. Actually, I think one of the states, Pete, Pete, uh, Mayor Pete's. Uh, I think actually Iowa isn't he like really high? Yeah, up there? yeah. At least in some of the recent polls, he's in the lead in Iowa. Yeah. So so it yeah it could it could come down to that. It could be end up being you know a weird situation. Mason, do you have any thoughts on that, or are you not really following it? Uh, it it's one of those things where I think. We got to see what happens with the fundraising over the next couple of weeks because I think one of the thing, one of the reasons they're pushing, like Jason Stapleton was talking about, like the funding aspects of the impeachment, basically, like how if the Dems turn it over to the, you know, the House turns it over to the Senate, um, like basically Mitch is not going to push for a vote quickly. He's just going to let things ride because it's going to drive so much fundraising. So at the end of the year, I think is when we're going to see, you know, a lot of people are coming in to, you know, maximize their deductions and all those tax breaks and benefits they're trying to do. So I think like around February is when you're going to see a lot of people start dropping out as they do a big push and burn through their money in January because they'll think, oh, I got this huge, you know, they don't have any economic sense. Yeah, so they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I got the, all this money in G- December is people just, you know, tried to dump as much money into the campaigns as they could. And then it turns around and it's like, yeah, maybe some people who will, you know, like Pete or somebody who has real support will get a bunch of money in January because they're just getting money. But then the rest are just going to burn out because they're going to like, you know, the people who are going to maximize early are going to come in. And then it, then I think you'll see February, March, where a lot of these guys start dropping out because it's just like either they've been funding it themselves this entire time or they're on the last fumes. Yeah, I would um, imagine some deals would start being made where someone that's ahead might tell someone else, "Hey, if you drop out, I'll make you my VP." You know, you're yeah, not going to win anyway, so why yeah. don't you throw your support behind me? And let's well, that, that, that's yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking uh, was for like what some of the like 
Mayor Pete, who's very young, that some of the older ones like a Sanders or a Biden would try to make a deal with him because they could be like, hey, you could be vice president. You go from being mayor to vice president, mayor of, of, of not a very big town either. Like it's it's like a like the fifth yeah. or sixth largest town or whatever in what is it, Indiana? Yep. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and like so, it's not even that big of a place. So you go from that to vice president, and he's relatively young. He's what thirty seven or thirty eight, mm-hmm. something uh, like that. I know yeah. he's younger than me. Yeah, I think he's basically a, like I think he's really close to the minimum age requirement. Yeah. So he so he gets in as as VP or some sort of position in the cabinet or something like that for as part of the deal, and then he comes back in four or eight years and is able to you know, wrap up the, the position. And and granted, like, you know, how you, you know a little bit more about how D.C. politics works, but that seems to be from, like, you know, me living down here in, in Texas and previously in kind of middle of nowhere, California. And, well, in Virginia before that, or, well, before here. But uh, that it kind of seems like more, like, people don't really go from being mayor to president. They go from, unless it's, like, mayor of, like, New York. Yeah. They, um yeah, it's odd. I I think if he wasn't gay, that being mayor wouldn't work. I think it's just like Barack Obama being so young and inexperienced, like very recently of having been a community like organizer. If he hadn't been black, yeah, he wouldn't have been able to do it. It's you know you've got the history behind you, the first black president, the first gay president. The, you know these kind of things I think are making uh, where the traditional rules don't really apply because yeah, of the what? historic nature of something. I, I think a lot of them, because there's no clear front runner and there's no clear secondary person, you're, you're seeing a lot of not a lot of people willing to team up yet. Because it's like if Pete throws his weight behind, you know, Kamala Harris, it, it, I'm not saying he would, but then all of a sudden she's out. You know, it's like it's not like somebody's going like, oh yeah, like I'm a clear, you know, clearly running away with this, and I just need that little extra push of support. So I think that's kind of where with the Donald Trump effect of people going like. Yeah, he wasn't anything. And all of these people are some sort of political thing. That's true. But he was a billionaire. So I don't think it, well, yeah, but that that doesn't make sense to them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, that, yeah, that's interesting. They're just not ready for – like they're just not ready to be given the – throw in the towel and be like, oh, yeah, this is unreasonable. Right. One thing I notice, like every single poll I think I've seen this entire time, if you add Sanders and Warren's numbers together, they would – by far be the front runner like if one of them were to drop out i think they would the other candidate would pick up all the socialists vote like <laughs> they're really hurting each other i think by them both being in yeah uh, possibly i wonder if Ber- bernie should do a wine cave with some like minishevitz or something <laughs> well, that's actually that's what one of the things i was actually going to bring up is why don't you think that he is pulling i i maybe this is not a card that you can pull but he would be the first jewish president yeah, I I don't know. I I mean, I don't think he's like above identity politics. So yeah. I don't think that's it. I, well, and I wonder I, if I it's I think that's the type of identity po- like I'm not giving him anything, so this is not me saying like, oh, he's better than that. Mm-hmm. I I just don't see that being the card he plays now. Yeah. I think it cuz like he's you know, he in the debate he actually talked about Palestine and like the Palestinians getting a raw deal and that's yeah. such like that's so toxic for the voting class or the voting age, like, you know, the traditional 
like Jewish American like voting age right now, like the younger people don't care and a lot of them would be fine with it. But I think it's it's too toxic at this point for him to really trying to start like pull out the the Jewish vote going like, oh, yeah, I'm one of you. Like I think yeah. a lot of them would just be like, no. Well, and I guess you've got people like Bloomberg who's kind of running, I guess, and uh, he's much more – I guess what you would say is traditionally Jewish. So like as far as like politicians go, like Jewish politicians. um, I didn't know he was Jewish. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he is. Yep. Yeah, he Uh, is. Well, Bloomberg. (laughs) No idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's he's also pumping a bunch of money into Virginia right now trying to get guns banned. That's, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, neither of us are appreciating. Yeah. Well, that's kind of one thing I I wanted to maybe bring up. I guess that would be kind of a good transition. Uh, And I'll save my last thing for the end of the show um, that I was going to talk about this particular topic. But because you're both in Virginia and I'm here in Texas. Uh, Mason, you and I have been kind of texting back and forth about it, but uh, what do you, what is your guys' perception of this whole gun thing that's going on right now? Uh, I, Mason or or Howie, whoever wants to go first can go first because like I'm not involved Probably. in it. It seems I, also I, like talking to you, Mason, like you don't seem to like not necessarily that you're not paying attention, but you don't really seem to know what's going on with it. Yeah, because like I, I'll. I don't know, Howie, I don't know what you do directly for work, but, like, the people I work with, no one is talking about this. Like, it's really not on the news. Like, the Friends Against Government podcast did, like, a an episode on it, and, you know, I've seen a few articles on Zero Hedge, but, like, even Zero Hedge isn't really talking about this, and, like, you would expect, like, and not that I'm, like, blaming Lou Rockwell for not doing it, but, like, I would expect this to be, like, a continuous article thing amongst any of the libertarians uh like big libertarian websites and i'm really just not seeing anything anywhere and maybe i'm just missing it every day but like no one seems to be talking about it but you and i when we talk to each other at least that i run into Mm -hmm. yeah i mean no one in my work is talking about it It, before i bring it up then (laughs) then we talk about it but um i one thing i don't know if you knew it's so Scott Horton was talking about it with uh, Pete Quinones on Freeman Beyond the Wall. Oh yeah, Scott, I saw I saw that, but I didn't. I haven't listened to it yet. Scott was saying that he heard that they kind of backed down and were gonna grandfather in people that already own stuff. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, that still sucks. But you didn't. I didn't hear that from anywhere else. I don't know if you know if that's true or he, not. I heard it from that guy. Uh, his name's like JJ. He gave that speech that was going around Twitter for a while. Um, at the at one of I think it was actually at the Fairfax uh, town hall or whatever they had, and okay. and he did say yeah they they are kind of backing out but it's it's like it's basically they're like okay we won't make you turn them in but we're gonna make you all register them, mm-hmm. which just means they'll eventually come yeah down. exactly so and and so this guy who who does I have to look his name up and I'll probably put it in the show notes but who does seem to be uh, at least ear to the ground on it and and quite involved is saying that that at this point it's too late for that that it that yeah that you can try to appease or whatever but like there was like one of the counties on the eastern shore he was saying it's like a i think the population of the county is like 7000 and they had nearly a thousand people show up to their yeah. town hall and Dude, most of the state is declaring themselves uh like second amendment sanctuary cities it's but not where i live i'm in like the one big 
we're going to comply and do whatever the government says yeah. area. And it's, well, I'm, I'm it in sucks. Norfolk and I don't think Norfolk has done anything. No, I, to, no, but Virginia like, Beach one did. way or the other. Loudoun County actually brought it up and rejected it. So it's not like we haven't even, it's not that we didn't discuss it, but they voted it down. Yeah. Well, I know that so. Virginia Beach where Mason and I both used to live, uh, they, they took it up and it's a big military town and most of the military people own guns. They don't really want to give them up. Uh, but then Norfolk, where Mason currently lives and where I used to live, uh, I think they rejected it. And then, and then all, all the ones up by D.C., they, that's kind of like where they rejected a lot of them or they just didn't vote on it. And then I think Suffolk, I think Suffolk also rejected it. Hmm. Um, maybe, maybe not Suffolk. Maybe it, it might have been, it might have been Portsmouth or somewhere like that. But uh, yeah, one, one yeah, of Totally went with it. Yeah, yeah. Chesapeake definitely. From what I understand, the the way they're doing it doesn't even have like the force of law beyond it behind it, really. Yeah. So I mean, even if you live in one of those areas, don't expect it to protect you or help you out at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, like some of them are. Some of them have done things where they've basically been like, "Yeah, don't even try coming here." Others are just basically like, "If you send your government." police to do it fine but we're not providing you anything and then taswell was like yeah we're forming a militia yeah <laughs> like, yeah I, straight up th- rebellion <laughs> there's three three militias have started up I yeah guess. yeah yeah there's a couple yeah. and then there's there's uh i think actually it was at taswell where the sheriff was like i'm just going to deputize everybody so it's legal oh, no, no, these... it's culpepper that's oh, actually where my uh my in-laws live i was thinking yeah. oh maybe i need to move my uh stash <laughs> down there yeah 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 <laughs> um well and then i i had also heard that uh, one of the things that they're starting to try to push through is um, basically anti-assembly laws. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're assembling with an intent to intimidate, which means armed assembly, then uh, that's going to be illegal. That's kind of yeah, how I understood the law to begin with. Like, okay. Well, well, p- p- part of it, they were saying they were going to ban like like Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like all any kind of <laughs> self-defense thing if it's like used to intimidate or something. It, it was weird to really strangely but it's it's crazy i don't think these people understand what they're doing like if they actually were to try to go and confiscate guns it's just gonna end yeah. badly for everyone involved like it's they they say they want to prevent gun violence or deaths this will be like the closest thing to the civil war i think yeah could happen i mean well, i that, think that's the one thing i think could start a civil war in america is if they try to take the guns like that's the number one easiest way to do it. I think that's what they're trying to do is to provoke the reaction to to have people actually respond violently so they can, you know, basically show that like, oh, like, never mind this Afghan paper, never mind these other things that we're doing, like these people won't give up their guns or like whatever from there. So that's that's what I seem as like I think they're really pushing that for a reason. Well, like that, that point, could be. I think there's something big out there where they're just trying to. I don't know what specifically. Yeah. Drum, drum something up to kind of cover it. Like, well, the thing is, like most states, I think actually it was you guys on Lions Liberty Gun talking about this during that thing. Is like most states are outside of the uh, the urban areas are are not going to give it up. I mean, like I'm from I'm from rural Northern California, and that is a that even though it's California. It's a it's a gun place. Like my uncle owns sixteen hundred acres out there and is like armed to the teeth and is also a conspiracy theorist. So like he thinks they're all he thinks like well, 
a lot of the stuff that he thinks I agree with. Hit like I think his <laughs> his conclusion. I don't always agree with, but like, you know, he's like one of the people who like after Ruby Ridge and Waco and all that kind of stuff kind of like freaked out a little bit and was like, oh, I've got to like set up my weapons caches and like make sure that like I can disappear on, onto these 1600 acres and they won't be able to find me. And there's a lot of people in Northern California who are like that. Like if, if Northern California, the part where I'm from, which is called Jefferson, if Jefferson split off from the rest of California, the it would be the second least populous state in, in the the country, but by land, it would be one of the, I think it would be like the 36th largest or something like that. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be quite large. And so like, there's just a lot of people out there who are ready to arm up and disappear. And, and they all have pot fields too. So they're like, so they're like, they'll have a whole bunch of marijuana and they'll just (laughs) like fade away into the Northern California wilderness and just arm up. And and a lot of the country is like that. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, California, New York, wherever, outside of the cities, like, gun ownership is an American thing that hasn't gone away despite what the Democrats and the people in the media might think. Yeah. And people aren't going to give it up without a fight. Um, you mentioned the marijuana farms, too. The one thing I was hoping with the Democrats taking over Virginia, I'm like, could they at least do that one thing and legalize marijuana? I'm like, if I'm going to have to have all yeah. my other rights violated, can you at least throw me this one bone? Yeah, yeah, that's but, true. Uh, I mean, like I you said, with your area in Northern California too. Like, I think a lot of states need to split up. Like, Northern Virginia should be its own thing, and I shouldn't live in it. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's not it's not like the rest of the state. <laughs> like, well, it's not. I mean, like yeah, even, like yeah, Hampton Hampton yeah. Roads, where Mason and I were living, is is quite different than the rest of Virginia, even. Mm. Um, yeah, like just like going up to Smithfield, which is like barely an hour away or going to the Eastern shore, which is less than 45 minutes away. It's a completely different place. But like, so I have a question for both of you guys because it relates to my work, but not in Jacob's former work. Have either of you guys heard what they've done with the new W4? No. With the cryptocurrency? No, no, no. The, oh, wait, like, no. Literally federal form. Oh, what is it? So it's a tax return. Now you have to declare your other income to your boss and like there's no more exemptions it's all like basically making you declare all of the money that you make because they're trying to basically drive it so like there are no more refunds like they're trying to get you to basically have exactly what's supposed to be withheld throughout the year like it's a crazy form like we we were looking at it at work and like people who like i work in payroll and people who like work for us couldn't figure out how to fill it out Oh, I'm I'm so happy that I I don't have to yeah. do development for that so, anymore. Yeah, I'm so I'm like, just concerned about. I guess now they're going to specifically ask you on the form like if you've owned, sold, trade any like cryptocurrency in the past year. Like, uh, yeah, they they certainly might on this one. Like, I I haven't seen that specifically, but like the W four like has basically become like a tax return. Like, and for a lot of the software now, like if you want to change your exemptions. Like do it before January first, because like most of them won't let you change. Like ours is going to update where basically, as soon as you go into the new year, you can keep the exemptions you had, but anytime you have to fill out a new one, you're stuck. Like anytime you want to change anything, like you couldn't just change it and be like, oh, I actually turned it in on the thirty first before this was active. Mm. Like as soon as they go to change it, it's it's done. Oh my god! But, yeah, I can I can you know yeah. I. I 
when I we used to do a lot of the development and the database work for that, like I can't imagine how nightmarish that's going to be. Yeah, and then like they also passed that change to the um, salaried exempt rules, and like no one's talking about this. And like remember, like two and a half years ago when Obama was trying to push that through, people were saying, and then then Trump said, "Yeah, we're not going to do that right now. Not even that we're going to." you know not do it we're just gonna think about it for a while people acted like you know they were trying to like drive everybody into like extinction and now no one's talking about it huh so like the government's clearly using like all this stuff behind the scenes like to push this weird stuff that they're doing and it's like the trump administration it's not like oh like oh this is like the obama administration like drone yeah. bombing yemen or something and like saying well, we're not doing it or well, so, any wait, wait, so is this is this an attempt do you think this is an attempt to try to simplify taxes and they're just retarded well that the idea is <laughs> like so you remember how I, like you, this was supposed to come out in like 18 it was supposed to come out in 19 like yeah this is like, sort of like obamacare where where when we were developing yeah. for that they were like you've got three months to develop for this and it was like yeah no we can't do, nobody collects this information like we yeah. there's no way for us to develop this well, yeah, you remember the backlash that everybody had last year when they didn't get a refund because of the new tax Yeah. Tables? Yep. Yeah, yep. And basically it's like, no, you just had more money. It's kind of a reaction to that because okay. like, the idea is like the government doesn't have any money anymore. And so, you, you know, like the, the, um, the oh. repo market where everybody's saying like, oh, they ran yeah. out of money. Like the idea to, in my mind is the government is tired of having to cough up all this extra money at – um, they want more money throughout the year and they don't want to keep giving out so much money to people, um, when they go to file basically, because, right. you know, people like, Oh, I always get a refund. You know, I don't so know if this is related or not, but I saw in zero hedge today, there's like one and a half trillion dollars worth of like hundred dollar bills missing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're asking Steve, which I guess tried to explain. He was saying that banks are holding them. And like that's where they are because other countries have negative interest rates, and so people want to be in on the American dollar because it's so awesome, and so right, banks yeah. are just holding on to the, the bills. I mean, compared, I don't, comparatively I don't know if speaking, I buy that, yeah. To me, it's like, well, wait a second. So there's a one and a half trillion in bills missing. Like, what? It, there's something. Yeah, deeper. yeah I don't. I don't a, know what it is. But. There's an episode of the. Um, like the Mises Institute podcast, um, it used to be – it's like the Human Action podcast now where they're talking about gold and it's with a guy who like does gold and they pay interest. And it, like there's a big thing in like almost – not in the United States but in almost every other foreign currency because the dollar is so strong right now. Like gold is at all – like basically at its highest in their currency value. Like if if not at the top, it's right there. So like gold's peak was you know in the U.S. at like nineteen hundred, but like it's near the peak in euro, and it's near the peak in like pesos. Like it's super valuable in gold. So a lot of these people are buying gold to try to like hedge against. So I wouldn't be surprised if like they were holding dollars for that reason. Yeah, it, everybody knows the gold markets like are suppressed. Like the, the price is kept down as much as possible. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why – well, and I actually have a, a, a very long episode about that on uh, – well, not specifically on that. It's, it's my my crypto skepticism on uh, our friends Rolo and Slappy who are Bitcoin maximalists and I had uh, a long conversation with them about my 
skepticism when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, but I do, th- I do like Bitcoin. I, I think it's interesting. So, so I have a question for you guys. Do you ever look at wine as like an investment or like a hedge against inflation? You know, I'm going to buy bottles I think are going to appreciate in value or if there, the whole world collapses, at least people are going to want to trade for yeah. my wine for like the things I need? Or There is a – there is actually – there is a wine uh, futures market. That you can you can buy wine futures. There's a new crypto market emerging for wine. Uh, that is, you can purchase wine futures on the blockchain, and uh, oh. yeah, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and I, I've been talking to the guy, one of the developers there, about it, and uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. It's it's something that I've thought about. So, for example, a, a really good uh, example of this is um, the 2019 Rioja vintage is going to be one of the best vintages for Rioja. Uh, ever it, it's it's a it's a great it, Rioja is a region in Spain. Um, it's it uh, they have it divided up into um, Rioja, Rioja. I think it's Grand Cru, and then um, or no, maybe it's just no, no, no. It's uh, I can't remember their their ranking system. Uh, European wines are crazy, so they have this ranking system. They have three tiers of it, and the first one is I think five years, and then the next the highest is ten years, and you can buy into barrels of it on the blockchain uh, for 10 years into the future. And you'll be able to, and it's basically you're buying a portion of a barrel with the assumption that they're going to uh, do a good job and win the, I'm going to look up it, look it up because I can't remember what it's called. Uh, uh, when, when it, when it comes to maturity, which is, I think, uh, I think 10, like I think 2024. it's 2024. Yeah. 20, 2024 is the first one. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. second one is like 2030. But uh, anyways, once it becomes fully mature and it, this is going to be – you're going to go from – like so it, they'll come out with like the regular one uh, which it, with next year or two years from now maybe. And it'll be like let's say $20 a bottle. And then in five years, they'll come out – it'll come out and it'll be like $70 a bottle. And then in 10 years, it'll come out and it'll be like $200 a bottle. Uh, so because it's it's how long it matures in barrel with the rest of the wine uh, determines the the level of the level of I guess uh, like pure like, it's not purity it's it's like the I don't know how to even say it it's like so you have you have the the very first one I looked it up just now it's it's the very first one is Crenza so it's just whenever it's done uh, turning into alcohol that's what comes out it's Crenza it's regular old Rioja. Then there's Rioja Reserva, which is uh, a minimum of 36 months in barrel. And then there's Grand Reserva, which is a minimum of 24 months in barrel. So the Grand Reserva is the highest level of it. This is all established by Rioja tradition, but now it's 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 codified in law by the EU, which is this is one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is the particularly European wine has all of this uh, law, like government force involved in determining what you can call things and, and that sort of thing. So the Grand Reserva though is is the highest quality. So right now on this particular uh, blockchain futures market, you can purchase into a barrel of this f- 10 years in advance. And it takes 10 years for it to mature and become something that's productive. But you could, you could be looking at 20, 30 times your investment uh, on a barrel of Grand Reserva, if it's scheduled to come out at that time, now things can happen to the barrel, so it is a risk. You could the barrel could have a leak; it could be a bad barrel. 
it could turn out that the vintage is actually not that good as a Grand Reserva. It's a it's a really good Reserva, but it's not a great Grand Reserva for whatever reason. Like things yeah. happen, thing, different things happen to it chemically when it's in in the barrel. You could also end up having that your barrel has uh, they call it barrel taint. Um, and so are they actually? You're marking like a, a particular barrel mm-hmm. as yours. Okay, so yes. it's not just like yeah, yeah. So you know, a, a fungible barrel. Of, right, right. You're buying okay. you're buying a particular you're buying futures in a particular barrel on the on the blockchain. And this is something Mason, you and I talked about a little bit. Was could we put vine to bottle grapes on the blockchain so that you could at every stage of production verify purity of the wine as far as it being a um uh, an organic wine or a biodynamic wine or a natural wine or just a regular mm-hmm. old wine or whatever that sort of thing and this company actually does seem to be kind of pushing toward that and it's that at every stage of production in order to incentivize people they're issuing a percentage of the coin to each stage of production so that they have an incentive to make sure that it is exactly what they say it is so one of one of the problems we've 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 talked about this a little bit. One of the problems with USDA organic is that it's kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, Not kind of. Yeah, yeah. It it pretty much like if you've got USA USDA organic on your bottle, it doesn't really mean much because it's individual inspectors determining on whether or not it's organic. It's also they allow quite a bit of non-organic material in it, and also uh, because the individual inspectors are bribable, it's it's kind of a money thing. It's like if you've got enough money to become biodynamic or not biodynamic, USDA organic, you will become USDA USDA organic, or or uh, certified sustainable is another one. So uh, certified sustainable is kind of also it's not bullshit exactly, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like eh. There are some private ones that are pretty good. So a lot of times when people are certified sustainable, they'll get several private uh, inspectors to certify it. And then it's actually certified sustainable. Now, biodynamic, on the other hand, is like organic and sustainable on crack. It is so complicated and so difficult to become biodynamic. And it takes multiple, multiple, multiple years of inspection and um, certification by multiple people who will verify that it is that if you're if you if you're somebody who cares about organic and you you really want to buy an organic bottle of wine, you really should be looking for biodynamic wine. Whether or not that makes your wine better or worse is another story. I, I happen to believe that biodynamic wine tends to be better because there's more care put into the grapes and into the production of the wine. But it is not necessarily because it's all natural. You can make very good wines using pesticides and other things too. Um, there's a there's a lot of wines coming out of Texas that are great and they use pesticides. So that that's just it's that's a whole other story. But that's kind of one of the things that's interesting to kind of answer your question, Howie is. Uh, there are wine futures. Most of the wine futures right now are, are in Bordeaux. Those are the ones that are like public. And then there's now these side markets starting to open up on the blockchain. So that's cool. Yeah, it it is pretty. It's pretty interesting. It's a, it's a very fascinating like development. And I don't actually think Mason, you and I have gotten that much into it on the show because it's kind of complicated. and I don't know that much about it. Yeah, and the the like the other thing is, and at least not like for like to directly answer Howie's question. No, I I don't buy enough wine or enough quality wine to be like oh i can see this as an investment like the the wine i had tonight was six dollars or something like that at kroger now i happened to like i bought out the rest of their stock because it was on clearance and i thought it was really good i had 
purchased a bottle last week, but that's it. I don't buy wine that would actually last long enough to be like, okay, well, I've had this for 10 years and like, this will be a good trade. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I guess my, my, my $8 bottle of love my goat table wine is not going to go up in value. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like, and that's probably, it's probably the same case with me is I, I, in order to, to resell wine, you do actually have to have certified storage. Uh, so, right. yeah, so if, if it, well, I mean, you could resell it. So there's somebody I'm sure who will buy it, but, yeah, uh, I mean, like in the collapse. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You will, you will have wine. That right. You could sell. I, I just never keep like, I mean, I, I have like 10 bottles of wine in the house right now because like I said, I bought out the stock of uh, Kroger the other day and then my boss gave me three bottles of wine, which was completely unexpected. And then like, my wife had gotten me a uh, wine subscription that shipped three bottles every quarter. So like, I just happened to have like this one time where everything hit at once. So I have a lot more wine in the house, but I normally have a bottle or two. Can, wait, can we get alcohol in the mail here? I thought we couldn't. No, you oh, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you can. Totally can. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, know. there's I actually, I don't know why I thought that. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're working on you a scheme right now. Liquor most likely. <laughs> yeah. But wine, wine you can get, I know you guys can get wine from last bottle, which is like our, well, we we've made them our sponsor, even though they're we they're not really. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I I order so much wine from Last Bottle Wine that like I just talk about them a lot, and uh, like I've got I've got probably at this point probably 160 bottles of wine at the house, and wow. like way more than I need, way more, way 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 more than I need, honestly. But there was there were good deals. I wanted them. I bought them, and now yeah. now my primary concern is how do I move them into a house when we move? So. Uh, I mean, I'll move them normally, but like you're supposed to let them sit for every for every day of shipment. You're supposed to let them sit for five days so that like sediment and stuff like re- mm. resettles. I don't do that, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like that that's what you're you're supposed to do. Um, yeah, pretty much all the Virginia like in Virginia, like all the wineries will basically ship inside of Virginia, and then you know, whatever, like in a lot of the others, like the, Virginia has a very few, it seems like most states, if they let you ship wine out of the state, generally they can ship to Virginia. Yeah. Virginia is actually, yeah, they're pretty good at it. There, there's a couple of restrictions I know, but um, like one of the, one case is like uh, New Jersey's not allowed to ship to Texas for some reason, but they're allowed to ship to, to Virginia. So, yeah. so we have, we have, we've got some, we've discussed some schemes, like how do I get certain wine that I want that is only imported from France into New Jersey? How do I get it here <laughs> in Texas? Well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Virginia though, let's go ahead and get into, I, I've got, I guess, two more topics and I don't want us to run like super, super late, but um, I got two more topics that I want to get to. So one of them is... Uh, it's an article I, I didn't put in the notes. And I probably won't put it in the notes, but um, I'm, I'm getting better at like telling people that I'm not going to put something in the notes because lately I've been really shitty about like putting the notes together. Uh, but <laughs> Mason, a winery from Virginia that you and I both like and have had several things from uh, Horton Vineyards, their Petite Mansang just recently won the uh, officially the best wine in Virginia award. Mm. Uh, it is a it's an award that is well. Prepare to be triggered, uh, libertarians. It is it's the uh, the governor's cup. <laughs> so apparently they they uh, there is a 
a judging panel that awards this governor's cup. They taste they taste a lot of different wines, and one Wait, of you mean the blackface baby murderer doesn't choose it. No, apparently he does not choose it. <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> but yeah. So the governor's cup is awarded. It's, it's by a panel of wine experts, and they have chosen this year um, Horton's Vineyards Petite Mensang. Now you and I have actually had quite a bit of Horton's Vineyards. Uh, mm-hmm. Particularly, one of the one of the brands that they own is uh, Chateau Le Cabin, which is uh, shit cabin. Well, yeah, it is. It, it is. I still I still really like it, but uh, it's a it's a fruit wine, uh, I guess range. So there, mm-hmm. it's uh, one of my first introductions to wine, one that I thought was palatable, which was blackberry wine, uh, and it's super cheap. I really like it. I still like it, although I remember when you and I, right before I moved to Texas and you and I had it, I was kind of like, eh, yeah. <laughs> not it, as good as I remember. It tasted like, do you remember back in the day when uh, IHOP used to have like a million different pancake syrups? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like one time like I, one time I went in there and they had like blackberry syrup and I was like so ecstatic because I really liked blackberries and it was just like nauseatingly sweet. This was that basically. Like <laughs> yeah. you could use it as pancake syrup. <laughs> it is it is, it is super super sweet. So it's a fruit wine. But their their petite mensang actually won won this award. I've had um I've never had the petite mensang. I'm kind of curious now to try it. What was do you remember the Horton that you had, Mason? I've had two recently. I had the Recasfili. Oh, that's the, right. Uh, yeah, the Recasfili. The Georgian grape yeah. mm-hmm. from the country of Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one you had? Do you remember? Uh, I couldn't come up with it. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I do remember that. And I also, I've had their Norton, which is a uh, mm-hmm. American grape, and it was very good. Have you ever, Howie, have you ever heard of, uh, have you ever heard of Horton Vineyards? I haven't. Where is it located? I think it's actually south of Richmond. I think it's not, I think uh, it's kind of far Gordonsville. away from you guys. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's in Gordonsville. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've been down there. You've actually got quite a few up there, but that kind of brings me to the topic. Oh, yeah. uh, that's the topic that I kind of wanted to talk about was uh, you're in Virginia. You've got a lot of really great wineries around you. Uh, actually, I guess Gordonsville is like in near Charlottesville. Huh. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. like, so it's in between. Yeah. South of me. yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's even, it's, it's yeah. Go- uh, Charlottesville. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, what are, what are some wineries around your area, Howie, that you like? So there's this one we've started going to a lot recently. Um, my wife ended up becoming a VIP member there. It's mm-hmm. called Chateau O'Brien. It's this Irish guy that makes wine. Mm-hmm. When, oh she first, when she first told me about it, I'm like, do you mean brewery or distillery? And she's like, no, it's a winery. And so we, I remember the first time we, out, we went out there, there was some kind of event, and they, um, there was a tasting of several different wines. And the first one we tried was a blueberry wine. And the only other time I'd had blueberry wine before was a bottle of North Korean blueberry wine I got like at the DMZ. Oh, interesting! Was, oh, nice. <laughs> it was no, it was awful. <laughs> okay. It was just cool that it was North Korean, but it well, was. That, that's that's what I was saying. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. that, like to me, like I, like I know it's probably insane being a libertarian, but I really want to go to North Korea. Like, I'd love to go there after the regime collapses, not before. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I want to go there after the regime collapses. It's kind of like saying I want to go to Libya now. Like, you know, it might actually have been better before. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Well, definitely in the case of Libya, I agree. Yeah. But well, uh, that's so true. I know, I think one of the wines I had there that I really liked, it was a, and I'll probably say it wrong, I think it's a, a Tanat. 
Yeah, that's, no, that's correct. Great. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, um, I love to not. We actually were listening to your guys' show um, driving back from Pennsylvania today. My wife, she's like, oh, she's like, is one of them from Virginia? And I was like, yeah. And I, she said, like, well, if they're ever both here, why don't we take them um, to Chateau O'Brien for one of the, like, private wine cellar t- tastings? Because, oh, um, yeah, yeah, we we did that uh, recently for our anniversary with a couple friends. And it's it's really nice to tell you. Great stories about all the wine. I unfortunately like forget all of it as soon as I walk out the door. But <laughs> that sounds that sounds like us. <laughs> yeah, I, like I'd love to be like a wine guy, but it's it, like I like most of it, and so it's not like I'm not very discriminating. And then I can't remember any of the facts about any of it either. So it's like, eh, I don't know. Well, you know, but I also I also go to Quattro Goomba. It's really close to my house, and okay, their wine's pretty good, but I think. I mostly go there. I really like their pizza, and okay. sometimes I just like to get their wine slushies. Are kind of fun. Oh, okay. Oh, All they right. Do wine slushies? Yeah. They do wine Man, slushies. I, I would. I, yeah, cool. That sounds actually awesome. <laughs> I, I would go. I would get a wine slushie. That sounds awesome. Uh, and I also like pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we actually we had we had an interesting day today. Uh, we had we had a detox day, which. Uh, ended with me drinking <laughs> a lot, <laughs> but like. We I, I didn't eat anything until about forty five minutes before the show, and uh, I was really struggling. But Mason, you remember I used to do like fasting like pretty frequently. Yeah, but you also like had like more frequent stomach issues at times. That's true. Well, I still do actually. I have I have weird stomach things. I don't know what the deal is. But like we were we were doing a detox day, and I got home. We we went to Six Flags. Our Six Flags is like twenty minutes away from us, and. Uh, and I was so hungry when we got back. So, like, I felt sort of bad because Victoria was was doing pretty good not eating anything. And I was like, I don't – I was like, well, you know, we, we it has been 22 hours. So that's pretty much 24 hours. So we really have been fasting for that long. And and we also yesterday went to the Russian store. My, my wife's Ukrainian. And so we go to the Russian store a lot to get uh, – to get like Russian food, and I was like, I really could like use a nice sandwich with like Russian meat on it and Russian cheese, and maybe I could eat a couple of the blinchikis, which is like a stuffed crepe, and uh, yeah, and I, I was so hungry, and then she was like, well, I, I guess we did pretty well today, so I ate that all before I started drinking, <laughs> so I, I feel I feel I feel much better, but um, kind of going back to Virginia, you know, a lot of my my early introduction to wine was from Virginia wineries. Uh, in particular, Green Hill Winery is, is one of my favorite Cabernet Francs, Mason. You you know about mm-hmm. this one. Uh, although you you weren't there, but I went there with our buddy Mason. Uh, you're Mason. I went there with our buddy Nate. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I always mix you guys' names up for some reason. Uh, I went there with our buddy Nate, and he's also got a couple of wineries up there. This is all near um, Warren, Virginia. Do you know where Warren is? I know where Warrington is, uh, not just Warren, no. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's actually Warrington. It's the Green Hill oh, Winery. It's, okay, yeah, I, I know. Where, yeah, Western. I know. Where, okay, I know, where I, I know it's it's kind of near Manassas. Uh, Manassas. Yeah. Manassas. Yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Well, Nate always Nate was always like, well, the, you know, Manassas. That's where our high school rivals are. So we always call them Manassas because you know it's Nate and he's goofy and silly, yeah. but. Uh, but like that's how it's spelled. It, it is. It is, <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is. He's actually moving back there, so we might. I might be coming out in the area, and Mason, if I can get you to come up, 
you didn't come up for yeah, the no. for the big wine thing I did in DC. But if I can get you to come up for Nate, then well, I I had other things going on that week. That's true. That's true. I know you. So. I was actually in DC a, a month and a half ago. Well, I maybe I guess two months ago uh, for a big wine event. But I was only there for a day, like two days, I guess, and then I we flew back. But it was it was a cool wine event. But that kind of like back to that is there was a whole bunch of. Uh, Virginia wineries there that uh, were super, super good. And uh, for all of the listeners who are listening, Virginia wine is up and coming. There, There's a, only about 5,000 acres under vine right now in Virginia, but it's growing very quickly. And they make awesome Vignet, awesome Cabernet Franc. Um, there's, uh, well, they, they do Tanat pretty well. Uh, Tanat, I think, has tight clusters, so it's difficult to do Tanat there. They're also starting to do Gamay. Uh, which is is the the grape that is in Beaujolais. So if you want New World Beaujolais, so it'll be like fruit times twelve. Uh, that is that's something to look at for Virginia, and they're starting to get it outside of Virginia. So up until recently, Virginia's had a lot of protectionist stuff when it comes to getting their wine out of Virginia. A lot of that's relaxing. Plus, some uh, recent Supreme Court decisions that we've covered on this show is making it easier for people to get Virginian wine outside of Virginia. So keep your eye on that. There's a lot of great stuff coming out of Virginia. Uh, my recommendation is Cabernet Franc and Vignet. Both of those are, are two of my favorite grapes. So if you like a fuller-bodied uh, white grape, Vignet is good for you. If you like a slightly lighter-bodied more delicate uh, red Cabernet Franc is very good. Buttery, it's got a lot of really great flavors in it. it it's a, it's a good one. So well, I, and a lot of Virginia mm-hmm. wineries are doing the Raccadilly too. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really unique. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A really unique European, like rare European grape. That's true. Yeah, it's it's native to uh, I think Georgia or Ar- Armenia. Um, so yeah. they've been grow. They, that's where wine was discovered. And now they're doing it in Virginia, which is really cool. I just did a quick Google search too, and there are wine caves in Percival. Mm. Oh, <laughs> we should have we, to go. I, I need to go to a wine cave now. You know what we need to yeah, do is exactly. we need to have a Virginia wine cave fundraiser for Childeberg. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that that would be awesome. Uh, I can't. Just I wish I could have broke as a joke. <laughs> yeah, I wish Come I could have gone to the first one, but uh, well, definitely- yeah. Definitely be a chili dose. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's going to be great. I'll, I'll reserve you a spot. I'm, I'm going to put out uh, campsites before New Year's. So campsite reservations will be available. I'll go ahead and reserve you one. Uh, Howie. Yeah, because I'm going for – I'm going to try to become a delegate for the LNC, and okay. I definitely want to split my time. You know, go and vote when the important stuff's going on, but then the rest of the time just hang out. Yeah, exactly. and that sounds good. And that's kind of what we're trying to go for is that – most of the people that it, you know, okay, well, let's go ahead and, and talk chili chili dose real quick, and then we'll get to my last little question, and uh, and then we'll wrap it up. So, chili dose, uh, Mason, do you want to kind of summarize what Childerberg is? So, Childerberg is a, an annual event that's happened once in Texas that we will be continuing to hold in Texas. It is a um, freedom fest. It is pork fest. It is, you know, all of that. But in Texas, uh, it's just going to be the 23rd through the 26th of 2020. It's going to be in Austin where the LNC is going to be. Hint, hint, we did that on purpose. Uh, We are going to be at a municipal park hanging out, having fun. Um, We are heavily pushing for people who are delegates who just need to get away from all the nonsense, people who are uh, supporting, um, oh my goodness, I'm drawing Jacob Hornberger. 
yeah, Jacob Hornberger or any of the other super awesome candidates who may be trying to run uh, to come out and see us. We'll be having fun. Uh, we have uh, quite a few people who have committed to come that we haven't been able to announce yet. And now with all the LNC stuff and uh, things percolating behind uh, Jacob Hornberger, we're probably going to have a lot of other people showing up too. That's true, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. And and just because uh, Mason and I like Jacob Hornberger a lot uh, doesn't mean that other people are not welcome. I also like, uh, as like a secondary, I, I like Adam Kokesh a lot as well. And, and so oh, that'd they, be great. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to see Adam Kokesh there. Uh, there's a lot of... Unfortunately, I don't think McAfee can come in the country. Yeah, I think that's actually, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, actually, I like awesome. him. I would, I would also... Oh, think, oh, man. <laughs> I would also love to see Vermin's, Vermin Supreme come out. And, and, yeah, and, and yeah. even some of the... I would say libertarian light people that are not kind of in in Masons in my vein of of libertarianism. It, it, one of the one of the goals of uh, Childeberg is to make your online friends your in person friends, and mm-hmm. uh, we had about thirty five people at the at the first one. M- many of them had never met any of those people in person, but they had had multi year relationships with them online. And I think that it's important for us to, as libertarians, to form communities offline uh, because we do tend to, you know, statistically speaking, we do tend to be introverts. And um, it is, it's a good idea to not only exist on the internet. It's a good idea to try to form communities uh, with people that are around you and local to you. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm pushing for with, with Childeberg is go ahead and get, meet people in person, have a good time. Just kind of chill out, kind of, you, you know what? It, it when you know I go through my life all the time. Like I, I'll I'll go ahead and get. This is actually a good thing. We were talking about the Virginia, the Virginia gun control thing. I was actually looking at something on my computer at work while I was waiting for a debug run to go, and a guy from three rows away from me, who's a web developer. I, I'm I'm like a regular like uh, software developer, and he's a web developer, and he saw me looking at it. So he came over to talk to me about how excited he was about what was going on in Virginia. And and there are other people online and just in, in the real life that that are excited about that too. They may not be as far along, you know, from years of my perspective, Mason, and, and how you, you kind of align with us as well, just from what I hear hear, yeah. hear from you online. Uh, there, there may be people that are not quite as far along as that, but they do want to meet people in, in person. And in person, people are genuinely nice guys. Or, or girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have some girls at Schilderberg 1. So, yes. uh, not many, but <laughs> some. They weren't just wives. <laughs> right, right. They weren't just wives. There were there was a couple of, of girls who came out because they they are, do interact with our online community. So, uh, Schilderberg Dose, I'm hoping to be bigger and better. And um, there's also, there's there's not a pork fest in this part of the country. So, pork fest in the Northeast is awesome. Uh, and maybe this will expand. We'll be able to do a couple more and kind of get people regionally to hook up and, and understand that like you're in the area, you can count on people that are libertarians as well. Uh, so here's my last question for you guys. That's that's Childeberg. Come out. Uh, what's the dates again, Mason? It is the 23rd through the 26th of 2020 yeah. in Austin, Texas. Yes. Yeah. So May, May 20, 23rd through 26th in Austin, Texas. Uh, you and I will be taking tur- turns driving the Childozer, which we'll be able to pick people up at the LNC and drive them back to Childeberg and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So, uh, you know, everybody, is, is that like, a, is that like a killdozer? It, it's a joke on the killdozer. <laughs> it is, it is, it's a joke on the killdozer. So we got a big magnet that goes on the side that is the killdozer. And, uh, we'll be, we'll be going back and forth. 
I hope I hope some people will be sticking around afterwards too, because I think Mason, you and I are going to try to do some uh, hit up some wineries in Hill Country afterward. If we can, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see what it is. So, okay, here's my last question before we close out the episode because we're starting to run kind of long. Um, so, each of you, if you were to do a high-dollar a high, uh, fundraiser in a smoke-filled room uh, to kind of take over the presidency, what wines or liquors, beers, whatever it is that you guys enjoy, what would you be serving to... Uh, the people that you're trying to woo over to your position. Uh, Mason, you want to go first? <laughs> well, if I'm trying to woo people over to my position, um, I think I would be serving hits of DMT to like really throw it back. Because okay. it's super, you know, like you don't risk somebody leaving mm-hmm. high still. That's true, so, like, yeah. You, you know, you can't say somebody got pulled over. And even if like, you know... Like once it's all smoked, it's basically out of your system and there's no way that they're going to know, you know, so it's just like, ha ha. <laughs> that's, that's true. DMT, do, you know, know, yeah, it doesn't really show up in blood tests. Uh, so that, that's actually a good thing. And it might also help people kind of gain a perspective because they'll be able to ha- face their inner demons a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and also kind of make them, you know, you might have to have a really long fundraiser because although, although a DMT trip is only about five minutes, um, well, well it, it depends. Maybe at, at Mason's, maybe at mine, I, we might do a like ayahuasca ceremony with shamans. Yeah, yeah, that actually that's, that's going to be like a, a weekend stayover. Type yeah, thing. that's true. That yeah, that that would have to be much longer because you have to do multiple nights of the, of that. It's like so like when when I made DMT and uh, and Mason, you never really you never smoked it to the point where I smoked it. I don't think uh, is that yeah. correct? I I couldn't get it to do what you did, but yes. Yeah. So for me, it was like you smoke it; it's incredibly profound. But then unpacking the profound experience or whatever is like a multiple day ex- thing, where you're just like for the next five or six days, you're like thinking about this experience and going like, "What was that? What was that? That was weird. Like, what was that?" <laughs> I'm trying to think like, "What did those aliens <laughs> tell me?" And uh, and so like that would that would be one thing. Howie, Howie, besides ayahuasca, what what's something that you think you would be serving at your high high dollar fundraiser? Man, I don't know. I would probably be calling you guys up to find out. I mean, <laughs> I would maybe have my favorite wine, which I can't find anywhere now. Um, it's a Chagundis, and the it's uh, I can never say it. I actually have to look at the picture of the bottle, but it's like La Halali. Or something. I just okay. picked up a different bottle of Gigantis from like a, another winery. Hopefully, it's as good. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know what I would be serving now. Well, I think that Mason, this is something that you know you got me for my birthday uh, a couple years ago. Well, mm-hmm. no, actually, it was about a year ago. No, no, I guess it was two years ago. Yeah, uh, two years ago, it was that Pina Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we had the 2014, if I recall correctly. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a hundred dollars a bottle, so not crazy it's high dollar. Uh, I think it's 89 if you buy if you buy six. No, I I, I got it for 89. Oh, did you? Okay, it was, okay. It was under 100. Okay, yeah, I was planning to spend 100. Okay, I yeah, got it less than that. It was it was very good. I think very accessible and very um, easy for wine beginners to drink. Even though it was, it's expensive. Uh, so I think that like, I think even people who don't know a lot about wine would appreciate it as being a high quality wine. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that would probably get me some good fundraising bucks. And yeah. uh, also, uh, although I am a man of high moral character, if I was running for politics, I'm not opposed to selling out for the right price. So, because uh, I don't really have a lot of faith in me being like an upstanding citizen or whatever. Although, on the other hand of that, you know, Ron Paul did make a big difference and he was pretty upstanding. Yeah. So, well, the, the hmm. thing is, like, I don't imagine that be t- the, of either of the, either, I don't think any of us would actually live to take office. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if we if we actually got elected, I'm pretty sure somebody's gonna kill us. Like, <laughs> that might be true. Let's, let's be honest about this. They they'd probably we're, figure we're out. Yeah, they they probably figure out some some clip from the show uh, that would <laughs> that would like disqualify me. Where I'm like, well, 18 age of consent that doesn't really make any sense. It's it's yeah. it's really a <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> and you'd just be walking down the street and your cell phone would burst into flames taking you out sometime. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's probably yeah. true. That's probably true. So, so as, as I was sitting here, I did think about what I would serve. I okay. would definitely – I would have absinthe because you know, oh, you've yeah. got fun little ritual goes along with it. it would, that's true. That would be a good thing to have. That's, a, that's actually my favorite liquor and one of the few liquors that I, I will uh, willingly drink is is absence i do like the we actually we took you know my wife and i are looking for a house so we toured a house and they had a uh i don't know what you call it but it's i guess an absinthe drip i'm not sure um but but it's like one of those like kind of fancy looking like twirly things or whatever where you put the absinthe absinthe in the top no 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 not a spoon it was a whole yeah it was it was that it was that contraption where you like turn the little knobs on it and then like it drips it it drips it over the spoon and then yeah. you have, and you have your cup underneath it to like catch the sugar and the absinthe. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it was it was really it was kind of a neat thing. I was like, oh, I know who owns this house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a cool thing to see. Uh, but yeah, that that's actually a good choice because I I do like if if people love black licorice and they like liquor, absinthe is a, is a really good liquor for you. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think that that is all I've got. Uh, Mason, do you have anything else you want to ask Howie about? Uh, not that I can think of at the moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, things. Mason, come... I have a quick question for you. You sure. wouldn't happen to be a runner, would you? No. Okay. Because I... there's this in Virginia. They have this Virginia Wine Country Half Marathon, where you start at one winery, you run to another that's like six miles away, then turn around, and run back. When I did it, I stopped, like drank a little bit of wine, then ran back. And when you get to the to the end they have like 13 different wineries all have little booths there where they're like sampling all their wines and they have like live music and stuff it's really fun and awesome even if you don't run just go in and try all the wines but, but this sounds like something jacob and i would do either way that's true actually <laughs> I, I i would do i would do that because i can i can run quite long distances so uh and and i do run quite long distances uh maybe maybe we'll look into that and we'll come out and hang out that that might be a good excuse cool. for me to come out of virginia because I do like Virginia a lot. I, you know, I live in, down in Texas now, but uh, I, I, I'm always looking for an excuse to come out there, even though I, ha- I haven't since I moved here, really, except for when I went to D.C. briefly. Yeah. So that that sounds like a good All thing. Right. It's the weekend after Childerberg. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. not gonna happen. Maybe not, maybe not this year. <laughs> yeah, not maybe, maybe the following year. Yeah, I, oh. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of like. So I've gotten actually. Let's go back to Childerberg for like five minutes uh i've actually gotten some some call outs for a childeberg south 
in North Carolina, and which Mason, that might be one that you could probably run, and uh, or at least help organize. I've also gotten a call for Childerberg, California, in uh, in Southern California, like about an hour and a half north of LA, up in the mountains, or I guess it would be northeast. So yeah. it's interesting. I've also gotten Childerberg Winter request for Colorado. So <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of people who are interested in just like franchising Childerberg, which I'm totally cool with. If people want to franchise it, go for it, run it by me, and I will I will start trying to post it on the Childerberg website. Uh, but if you want to just like get the URLs that are like Childerberg Winter or Childerberg California or Childerberg South or whatever, that's cool too. Um, mm-hmm. So – you can always reach out to me. You have my bless- blessing. I don't really believe in intellectual property, so you can seal the name. Uh, I don't. I didn't actually come up with the name. Car Camp It from the Friends Against Government podcast came up with it. I just ran with it. So uh, you might want to run it by him, but I also don't think he cares about intellectual property either. So, yeah, so. I, I don't think any of us do. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, this, group, <laughs> this group does. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, I think then that is it for tonight, Howie. Thank you for joining us. Do you want to do any quick yes, plugs? Uh, no. I mean, if you haven't heard Lions Liberty before, uh, lionslibrary.com or check us out on Twitter. All right. Well, uh, Mason, go ahead and wrap up the episode with our plugs. So you can always find us at tastinganarchy.com, tastinganarchy on Twitter, childerberg.com, childerberg on Twitter. Um, you can send us an email at tastinganarchy at gmail.com, and uh, we're around. Not hard to find. <laughs> Can uh, we give our full name? That's true. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're not <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, from us at Tasting Anarchy, stay free. Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. The age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine, for the you to drink wine. Wine, for the you to drink wine. Wine, for the you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Cherry, cherry. Blackberry. Horton sherry. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling but American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the order, drink wine. Wine for the order, drink wine. Wine for the order, drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some by fifth and some by four. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the order, drink wine. Wine for the order, drink wine.